Welcome to the Zanbergen Report, where wealth strategies and investment wisdom collide, featuring your distinguished host and certified financial planner, Bart Zanbergen. Welcome to our show of Dream Chasers and Wealth Makers. We are thrilled to be back in our virtual studio today with a new episode of the Zanbergen Report. I'm proud to bring in the movers, shakers, and difference makers who are passionate about sharing what they've learned and what you need to know today. Today, I'm pleased to have two guests, and I'm happy to welcome Holly Hagler, who is president and CEO of SeniorServe, and then Scott Heinola with Producers Choice Network. Welcome, guys. Wonderful. Yes, thanks Thank for having you. us. Sure, Great sure. Great to be here. It's super exciting to have you uh, both in studio today um, because of what you are doing, uh, not only just in normal times, but in these, what do you want to call them, crazy times of COVID-19. Um, <laughs> Holly, I know you're sure. President CEO of SeniorServe, one of California's largest safety net nonprofits providing social, nutrition, and health services to older adults and to support them and their families. How um, did you get involved with that? Well, I'll, I'll answer that first. My involvement, this is Scott, of course, again, and I, I was introduced to the organization a few years back at one of their, their wonderful events and, and having that exposure to seeing these older adults in our community that are just struggling to get access to proper nourishment, something I know you, you Bart, hold near and dear. I mean, fitness and nutrition are at the top of your list. Um, for anybody, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and just just the eye-opening experience to see that some of these individuals just do not have access to proper nourishment, as well as just the social isolation of not having personal connection with anybody. I mean, with some of these individuals, it was it was heart wrenching to me to see that the only in, uh, you know interaction that they have with the outside world was the person delivering their meals. And so I just had to get involved. And, um, and, and so in that journey, I'm, I'm now involved as a board member there and, and involved in a number of different capacities within the organization. But, but certainly uh, my, my role is very limited uh, as a, compared to somebody like Holly, who's the president and, and CEO of the organization working day in and day out. So, Holly, I know um, that as many as 90% of older adults want to remain in their homes as they age. So tell us how Meals on Wheels OC prior to COVID-19 and how you help them to stay there, stay in their homes. You bet. Uh, and thanks for having us today, Bart. We really appreciate it. One thing I wanted to share with the audience that just this past November, we rebranded our organization and no longer go by Senior Surf, but we're known as Meals on Wheels. Orange County, and that's because meals are the largest um, aspect of what we do, and they, we really provide nourishment to so many older adults. Um, for over 50 years, we've been the largest nonprofit nutrition provider in Orange County. We serve over a million meals a year to over 10,000 at-risk older adults, and um, what we really do is we help keep older adults in their home by providing meals social connections, adult day services, and care coordination. And um, most people are familiar with traditional Meals on Wheels. We deliver three nutritious meals a day, um, five days a week, to homebound older adults 
and um, they cannot leave their house or they cannot make their own food due to uh, mobility issues. They just don't have, no longer have the capacity to do those things. And we also offer hot lunches in a lunch cafe program at over 23 senior centers. That provides a social setting. Of course, that's changed now with COVID. And we provide three adult day health care centers and home-based care coordination centers throughout our county. Wow, that's wonderful. Something that, that always kind of shocks me is that Orange County is one of the most affluent places in America. And so how is it that seniors experience hunger and uncertainty here? Well, you know, like in so many places, Orange County is a tale of two counties. Uh, there is no question um, affluence and prosperity in many other, any many areas of the county, but there are also large areas that of poverty and where we have families, multiple families living in a single house, uh, people who um, just don't have the ability to make ends meet here in Orange County where the cost of living is very high. The same is true for many older adults who are living on a fixed income. Um, many, many people uh, do rely entirely on Social Security, and as I'm sure your listeners know, Bart, um, that's just not enough. You cannot pay rent and pay for food and, uh, and your prescriptions and your utilities mm-hmm. on $900 or $1,000 a month. And so what we find is 24% of low-income older adults actually do experience hunger and other forms of food insecurity. Often when we um, are bringing people into our Meals on Meals program, we always go into their homes and meet with them, and um, we look in the cupboards, and they may not have more than crackers and coffee and a few canned goods. Mm. As shocking as that seems, I Uh. have seen virtually empty refrigerators. Uh, so that really does exist here in Orange County, and uh, and these services are vital life savers. Hmm. So that brings up a good point. That who is eligible for the program? Well, um, the programs that we provide are funded in part uh, by the federal government, and so we take a, uh, a government dollar and we make it much larger through all of the fundraising that we do. Um, and so those they are available to anybody who is 60 years old or older. Um, so I actually hit that milestone a couple of years ago where I was eligible <laughs> for our programs. <laughs> um, there's no income qualification. They're open to anybody, but we do target those individuals who um, who don't, don't always have uh, the financial means to make it to the end of the month. Um, but really, anybody who's in need of meals, if they are unable to cook or clean for themselves, they could get meals delivered to the home, and everybody is welcome to the hot lunch program in the senior centers. Hmm. So you mentioned that the government supports this. Uh, do they pay for it fully? No, they don't. Um, about 60% of the funding comes from the federal government, and we partner with over 20 local cities who also uh, help support the program. Um, so that takes it up to about 70% of the funding, and we have to raise the remaining 30% uh, 
uh, of the uh, of the cost of the program. And if we want to increase our serving levels even more, then we uh, we need to raise even more than that. So we involve uh, we're involved in numerous fundraising activities. We do rely on support from the public uh, for this program, and participants. Uh, for the meal programs are given the opportunity to make a donation of any amount if they are able to, but we never turn anyone away due to an inability to make a contribution. Oh, well, that's nice. Um, and so who makes the meals and then where are they made? Well, we make the meals. <laughs> um, we have, and as Scott knows, he's been uh, many times to our very large commercial kitchen. Um, we have wait, Scott's, wait a minute. Square. Scott's cooking? I've had okay. his cooking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not doing the cooking. He <laughs> gets to walk through and say hello to everybody. But we, we, have, um, we make all of our meals in our, um, it's a professional-grade kitchen. Uh, commercial kitchen um, where we make all of our meals, more than a million meals a year, and we also subcontract to other programs. For instance, we make almost as many um, uh, children's meals uh, each year for some partners that we uh, help we uh, support their programs. And then, um, surprisingly enough, we, we also make some products that are um, sold by a food broker to restaurant chains and in a local um, uh, regional market um, chain, our, some of our hot beverages are sold through their stores. So uh, not we, we call that social enterprise uh, when we have commercial contracts and we use the, the proceeds from that to help um, support our programs. So I've heard recently that um, with the whole COVID and the the um, mis kind of alignment of what's happening, that there's a lot of food that's now going to waste because the providers or wholesalers have it all packaged for restaurants and, and restaurants are not using as much. So it's it's not and they can't repackage and it just kind of goes downstream from there. Are you able to take advantage of that in any way? Well, because our programs are um, really determined uh, by the government in terms of the quality and caliber of the program that we provide, every meal that we serve is um, created uh, and approved by a registered dietitian. They are all low sodium and cardiac, uh, so they're cardiac friendly and they're diabetic friendly. Uh, so no, we're not able to use um, uh, mm. those kinds of excess meals. Um, everything that we do is specially purchased and specially tailored for the needs of older adults. Uh, we have very um, set dietary guidelines, uh, nutritional guidelines, and um, calorie counts that we are making. Hmm. So um, there are other programs. That it's kind of like how you consume food, Bart. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, very, it sounds right up my alley. <laughs> yeah, very calculated. <laughs> Think. <laughs> Um, so Holly, with with um, the recent, you know, the last recent month, um, and now the, the the stay at home orders, how how have you been able to respond to that? Well, um, so normally, uh, as I mentioned, we provide hot lunches that are open to anybody who comes to the twenty three senior centers that we uh, that we provide these programs in, and those are across twenty different cities. We 
have many, many partner organizations that run the senior centers. And um, starting March 16th, um, those centers all closed. Um, they were no longer available for um, the participants to come there for the hot lunch program. So we immediately converted into frozen meals. Um, we do produce some level of frozen meals normally uh, for our other programs, but um, we now are producing all frozen meals uh, to replace the hot lunches we used to serve, and those are now available as grab-and-go meals. Um, so um, seniors or their caregivers or their family members can come pick up the meals. Uh, they can get seven meals a week plus accompanying uh, milk and bread and, uh, and fruit cups and so forth. Uh, if they just stop by any of the senior centers on their distribution days or the centers are arranging to deliver the meals to the homes of people who are unable to have someone come out um, and pick those up. So um, that has resulted in um, an amazing, amazing kind of re-engineering, overnight re-engineering of what we do. And um, for the grab-and-go program, combined with our regular um, Meals on Wheels program, which is delivered to the home, we've served over 120,000 meals in just five weeks, wow. which is, I mean, it's, I can't, it, it makes us dizzy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have an amazing team, an amazing team that has, we've added shifts normally. We are, uh, we work five days a week. Now our team is working six days a week, 10 hours a day. Uh, we, they come in at 1 a.m. in the morning and they start making these meals. Um, our trucks are rolling out at um, 7 a.m. to take these the meals to all these different sites and so forth or to the homes of people that we serve. So it, it's really been amazing. We've also served, um, we're also serving about uh, as many as 6,000 people a week uh, with the meals and are averaging across all of our uh, meal programs, averaging about 24,000 meals each week. Wow. And has that number increased with the COVID? Yes. Oh, yes. So these numbers that I've just been sharing are the COVID numbers. They are more than double, way more than double uh, what we would have normally been serving. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Then, um, Absolutely. What, what and or how can people help with the funding of that? I mean, you, if, it, if you have some, if it's a hundred percent to cover 50% now, because you're a hundred percent more, you've got a, you've got another hundred percent to cover in costs. How, how can you do that? Well, um, we've been working really hard <laughs> to, to do fundraising. We've written, uh, we've written proposals to foundations. Uh, we've been doing fundraising uh, through our, um, our email and social media. And um, we have established a COVID-19 emergency response fund at mealsonwheelsoc.org. So um, we certainly welcome any support the members of the community can provide uh, in order to help us uh, continue doing that. We do anticipate additional government coming, uh, fun government funding coming our way, uh, but it won't be sufficient to cover what uh, we need to be able to uh, provide in the coming mm -hmm. weeks. 
Okay. Well, we'll make sure that we repeat that website again and see what, what we can do to support. So, Scott, you've been uncharacteristically quiet here, so I'm going to ask you a question as a board member. What is your take on how Meals on Wheels has handled these unprecedented times? You know, as you know, in my uh, in our business, Bart, dealing with insurance and financial services, we work with many different firms, large and small, institutional and independent, and um, I, I just can't begin to tell you how impressed I am of the the organization and how all of the the parts that and it really is the sum of the parts that make greatness right i always tell the team sure. it's the teamwork that makes the dream work and um it's when pressure is applied that really tests uh, an individual or an organization's ability to step up and uh kudos to holly and to meals on wheels orange county for all of their efforts uh it's a great great organization a wonderful group of people that have have really gone above and beyond to help these people in their time of need for sure so holly what other challenges are older adults facing now well, you know, prior to, uh, let's just say, March 19th, when the senior centers all closed and they all the stay-at-home orders started coming out, um, you know, we were serving, uh, the Meals on Wheels program that we do was serving um, about a 1,000 uh, older adults who are always homebound. They were homebound before COVID. They're going to be homebound after COVID, and we're there for the long haul for them. But since these stay-at-home orders came out, all older adults uh, in our community are supposed to be at home. Yeah. And they're scared. They're scared, um, particularly uh, those that are in their 70s and 80s and, and 90s. They're very concerned about going out and leaving their homes, very concerned about what would happen to them if, if they were to contract COVID-19. And so we're seeing... Um, Actually, a lot more isolation, uh, which is not surprising. Uh, and with that, so often comes loneliness, and with that comes depression. Uh, the impact of isolation on an older adult is the equivalent of smoking 17 cigarettes a day. Um, that is the health impact uh, of being isolated. And so. Um, we're seeing more people who are just sort of adrift. We also operate adult day health care centers that um, are temporarily um, no longer having people come on site to our centers, and so we've converted to telehealth um, and to um, services that we provide, um, sort of at-the-door at the services that we provide. But there, um, there's increasing feelings of... Um, depression uh, in some cases and uh, it's very hard for their routines to be so radically altered uh, so it's a tough time it's a tough time for everybody right now and especially for those who are most vulnerable when you I I'm guessing that you will see that the um, the traits of something like that do you do you get others involved, other professionals? Is that part of the program? Yes. Um, we Everybody who receives our Meals on Wheels services uh, receives also has a case manager assigned to them. And so our case managers check in with them, and they know they can call our case managers. 
when they need assistance. We also have social workers at our adult daycare centers who are in constant contact with our participants there. If they need a greater level of support, we absolutely do uh, provide, provide referrals uh, to them. We connect them with community resources. Um, there are, um, if they, we have friendly visitors um, that um, we can connect them with by telephone now, but um, normally we'd be able to visit with them in their home. Um, and then we, we refer to many other organizations. We're really part of a network of, of nonprofits and uh, public organizations that provide a whole array of supportive services to older adults in our community. Mm, that's great. So one of the best part of the show is to actually hear like real life stories. Do you have do you have any stories that you can share yeah. with our listeners? Yeah, I do. I do. I had a funny one that I wanted to share early on. I mean, this five weeks ago seems like eons ago, doesn't it? Yeah, it, does. it really does. Five five long weeks ago, I got a call on my cell phone, um, and normally. We, you know, people would get referred to our social services department where they would ask about meals and so forth. But one of the cities had posted, accidentally posted my cell phone number on their website to call for Meals on Wheels OC. So I got a phone call from a, a very lovely person um, by the name of Karen who was calling on behalf of her elderly aunt and mother um, who live in Leisure World and um, looking for services for them. and. Normally, they are still quite active, even in their early 90s, and they get on a little bus in Leisure World, and they go to the Seal Beach um, uh, Senior Center, where we do the hot meal program, and they pick up, you know, they have their meals, and they uh, socialize, and then they go home for the day. Well, they had gotten on their bus, on a little bus uh, from Leisure World that day, and they had taken it to our distribution, where we were now handing out the frozen meals. Um, but we did not want them riding a, a bus, a little bus, with other people, of course. And so she called to find out, and we immediately would partner close with the city and uh, talk to the folks there. And we have, since that day, we have been delivering the grab-and-go meals to their home. Um, and uh, they mm-hmm. live right next door to, in apartments right next door to each other. And uh, they're as happy as they can be about that, and they're really looking forward to the day when they can uh, continue and get back on that little bus and take it over and have their lunch with all of their friends uh, every day. How about you, Scott? Any stories that you've seen or can relate to? Absolutely. You know, one of the things that I do, I'm kind of proud of this, and uh, we do every holiday is we'll get our two young boys, 10 and 7, uh, who you've met, uh, Bart, mm-hmm. and we'll uh, volunteer for a day of delivering the meals to some of these homebound seniors, and we kind of they do a very good job of organizing it. So you meet at their headquarters in Anaheim, and um, they do a very good job of arranging it in a tight location so it's pretty convenient and efficient, but we'll go in, and, and these people just light up when they see our young boys and um, – and in giving them usually their you know not only their meals but also usually a nice little holiday gift whether it's a little gift basket or maybe some puzzles or something like that and so that's something that we like to do as a family and um open up these people's 
I would say eyes a little bit and maybe <laughs> give them a little bit of the excitement of our boys every holiday, but also to expose our boys to um, helping and giving back and providing some kind of charity for those in need. Um, it's an enlightening experience. I will tell you it's something where, uh, as you as you commented on earlier in the podcast and the conversation of how you wonder how a place like Orange County can, can have some of these individuals that are living in the situations that they are. Uh, so uh, it's just a very, very um, educational experience. It's an enlightening experience. It's something where you're just riveted towards wanting to make a difference, you know? Yeah, I can see that. I can, and what a great experience for the boys, too. Yeah. Um, we are running close to out of time, and Holly, I wanted to ask you um, a question. So one of the things that I get to do, and the listeners are used to, is I have the honor of asking my guests their 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 final thought question, and that is, what is your ultimate lesson learned is your, in your experience in this, this nonprofit? Well, um, that is, you know, the, the, there are many wonderful people out there. It's amazing who really care about their neighbors, about their older neighbors, and who want to be a help, um, helpful to them. You know, you, we keep hearing the phrase, uh, you know, we're all in this together. And um, during the past five weeks, that's never been more true than it is now. And normally we would get about, um, oh, in a five-week period, we would get maybe 40, 50 inquiries of people who'd like to volunteer um, for our programs to do the kinds of things Scott was just talking about. And in this past five weeks, we've received more than 800 inquiries wow. from people who want to give us Wow. That is amazing. So, you know, it is amazing. And wow. we can't do it. We cannot do it. Any of us, we can't do this thing called life alone. Yeah. And if we ever thought we could, we have been disabused of that right now <laughs> during COVID-19. Yeah, during the last five weeks, for sure. Wow. We are resilient people, that is for sure. And that yes, is, we are. Yes, we are. Validation right there. Scott, why don't you remind the listeners on how they can help? Yeah, thank you. So um, they can certainly reach out to me, and I can make the introduction. They can certainly reach out to uh, Meals and Wheels, Orange County, directly. Uh, the website, Holly, can you chime in with that? Sure, of course. Meals on Wheels, OC. They're also on LinkedIn, um, or, or uh, excuse me, Facebook or Instagram, right? I've seen some recent posts. They're doing a fantastic job with, with social media as well. So there's a number of ways to get engaged. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, or certainly you, Barton, and you have a conduit to me. There's many, many ways that they can get engaged and get introduced to the organization. One of the things that they like to do for anybody who is interested is to, and granted, these are under normal uh, conditions, but to organize a, a, a visit to the headquarters and a tour, and that's a very 
a good experience as well. Um, so save that comment for a later date when things get back to some normalization. Yeah. But um, with, without question, um, helping these individuals and helping a wonderful organization like Meals on Wheels Orange County would be um, something I would um, certainly endorse. That's wonderful. Well, I want to thank you both so much. I think um, in times like these, it's so wonderful to see the greatness of human nature and what what you all are trying to do. It's really, really refreshing. So I want to thank you both for all of your efforts, all you have done, and I'll encourage all the listeners to reach out to either of you or to me as a conduit to get to you and, and to see what we can do to help. So thank wonderful. you again. Um, thank you, so thank you uh, for all who, has t- who have tuned in today, and we look forward to being back in virtual studio again next week. Cheers. Tune in next week for the latest edition of the Zanbergen Report, Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Catch up on our recent shows by visiting bartzanbergen.podbean.com. The Zanbergen Report is also available on iTunes, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Interested in being a featured guest on our show or have a question you'd like to hear us answer? Email podcast at bartzanbergen.com. Bart A. Zanbergen, CFP, and Letitia Burbaum, AIF, are registered investment advisors with Optivist, Inc. and registered representatives with Gramercy Securities, Inc., member FINRA and SIPC. Investment advisory services are offered by Optivist, Inc. under SEC registration.